and welcome to another episode of All That Film. Welcome to another review for All That Film. Today we are talking the new Bobby Eggs, the, the Robert Eggs film uh, from Robert <laughs> Eggers and co. Uh, the Northman, uh, a film that, that a lot of people are talking about, a lot of people are really excited about. Uh, and, and we're here maybe... To also be excited about it, but maybe also criticize it. Who knows? We'll, we'll see in a second. I'm your host, Tay. We're joined with a, a fearsome foursome of Todd, uh, Drew, Margo, and myself. Welcome. Woo! Woo! So real quick, before uh, we get into this, uh, who amongst us is willing to go down as the most... Uh, the most into Viking stuff. Is, is anybody ready to defend their title as the most into Vikings? No. Hey, no, I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> okay, so by default, I'm going to take the gauntlet. Um, I, I like Vikings, maybe. I'm not as... The thing is, there's, there's some people that are uh, way into it that... Uh, but this is one of those things that probably scratches that itch. I know a lot of people, there was the review, everybody was kind of, you know, laughing at a, a little bit that was like, you need a degree in, in Norse mythology to, to understand this movie, um, which uh, we can get into in a little bit. Uh, but Todd, start us off. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this film? Okay, so I'm a huge, I'm a big fan of Bobby Eggs' first two films. Um, to me, this film on the surface level is actually like a decently entertaining film that's just a little bit bloated like there's a lot of action scenes that i like there's a lot of parts that make me laugh which unfortunately i don't think were meant to make me laugh but in we're still kind of entertaining in a way um or maybe they're at least meant to be over the top so like laughter is a, an appropriate response um so on a superficial or you know a level i think it's good to me, it's a disappointment compared to previous two films, which for me were like just wonderful films. I really enjoyed. It feels like, and yes, there are stories that in theory, I'm maybe you're giving me confirmation bias in this. It does feel like a Robert Eggers film that had some studio interference in it. And I'm not saying it's a perfect film anyway. I think he, no matter what, it would be my least favorite of his films, but it does feel like there was a little interference in terms of some of the parts. Um, but overall, I would say... A little bloated. I like seeing, you know, grown men bark like dogs, and I do like Viking stuff. I just wasn't prepared to defend biggest Viking fan, uh, but I liked Viking stuff. There's stuff in here my dad would like. He would love the fighting. Uh, so I think it's a fun film, but still a slight letdown for me. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you bring the, this up, and and I'm curious uh we might not sound like the, the most high on this for because i think it has it's sitting at like a 4.1 i'm pretty sure or a 4.0 right now on letterboxd um a lot of people that really love this film and i don't, I don't like we're not trying to discredit it by any means or whatever i didn't have that experience that a, a couple of people i've talked to have brought up with the studio intervention part of it and maybe me and todd have uh talked about this a little maybe that's a little bit because I don't necessarily enjoy the commitment that Robert Eggers has on the historical 
accuracy side of a film, which is fine. Like I, I don't mind other people that are have like a huge investment in, and that is a big draw for his movies. Um, but this, this to me, I, I think it works in its favor, and then it also kind of detracts in some of the areas. The fact this is a a Viking story uh, in Norse mythology, sort of. And then it is it is also trying to be a very Shakespearean film. I think it's something that really works at certain points, and then at other points it it feels a little messy. I don't I don't know if that's so I think just in general, like this project, like the undertaking of this would, would be messy in, in any capacity, but uh, maybe maybe it was. I, the only thing I will say, um I know Robert Eggers uh you know said that there there was some intervention the only thing I'll throw on is like focus features is kind of like well regarded. So um, that was just interesting. But Drew, what are what are your thoughts on? on I I agree with a lot of stuff you were saying. Um, I didn't really like it. That like there are parts I really like about it, and but it, I'm really like conflicted on it. And some of it is like the genre stuff, like. I think it's kind of like having your cake and eating it both ways because it's like this really gory Viking epic that's also trying to be like this really artsy movie that's like can be like really critically respected in a lot of ways. Um, and it didn't really feel I've only seen The Lighthouse. Um, so I'm not like the biggest like Eggers expert, but it didn't really feel like what I was expecting an Eggers movie would feel like for the most part, even though I think he's actually like a really good director. Some of this like action stuff and this bigger scope thing, I think he just kind of got like lost in the sauce a little bit, like <laughs> just jumping from these really like smaller and intimate movies is, you know, big, like historical epic might have been a bit too big of a shift, but that's like, you know, preliminary thoughts i guess yeah i i will say um because i think this is yeah it's the same cinematographer i, I don't know a lot of the well uh, stunt coordinators on this but it, it, the action scenes were awesome i thought they were uh, really well done um they definitely like that that's the one thing that's interesting to me todd you had mentioned like or maybe it was someone else i was talking to that that really loves eggers um mentioned uh oh well i kind of just want him to stick to stuff like the vich and the lighthouse and and on a smaller budget like he doesn't necessarily need to go bigger budget i i almost just like that this exists now where we've had like an indie director because i think i think like only indie directors that get like big budget movies that a lot of people are aware of at this point are usually like superhero stuff and they don't make sense like Zhao doing Eternals and Mark Webb doing Spider-Man, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, assumedly because <laughs> his last name was Webb. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just cool that this exists and it was made, uh, you know, on on a pretty big scale. I will say, this is this is a question I have before uh, Margot uh, talks about this film, of course. Does it hurt a little bit that everybody is fresh off everything, everywhere, all at once? Like, um, is that part of this? I feel like that would hurt any movie because everything, everywhere is just so good that any movie that has to follow it, you're like, eh, 
It's no everything in terms everywhere. Of hype. I was more hyped <laughs> yeah, for this yeah. movie than I was. You know what I mean? Uh, to be honest, but everywhere, uh, every everything, everywhere, all at once is a much better movie than this. Yeah, I feel like that affects it also because I think I was more hyped for the Northman than everything everywhere. And so everything everywhere like completely blew away my expectations, yep. and the Northman did not. One thing that's interesting is in terms of the box office performance. I think everything everywhere definitely is hurting the Northman in a very like financial sense. Um, like like Northman just isn't really holding well, as honestly, well I, as focus is. I think it's also um, just if if you want to talk box office real quick, I think it's also kind of hurting bearable weight because that like so many people that like in in my life asked me about that movie because it was coming out um this weekend and they were like oh should i see this nicholas cage movie and i was like yeah yeah it looks really fun i still haven't seen it because my parents want to watch it at some point this week so i was waiting for them it did nothing this weekend it finished fifth maybe everything everywhere finished above but it's it's just it's been slow and steady like not dropping whatsoever um and just really great word of mouth um margo real quick before we go too big in the box office stuff what were your general thoughts on the film um pretty similar to todd and drew i found myself like kind of bored while i was watching it like i was really just waiting for things to happen and i could definitely feel like the studio interference, especially since I had read that uh, article where Robert Eggers said that, like, that he hated having to deal with studio interference. So going in with that mindset, and it was weird. I was like, that's got to be studio interference because this is strange. It doesn't feel like a Robert Eggers movie. It's like way too grand of a scope. And it didn't like, there were so many more things that it could have delved into deeper and only like barely scratched the surface of in exchange for being like, Ooh, I'm going to kill my uncle. There. Uh, and also there's, there's one uh, connector that, that we both uh, have felt uh, this, this film uh, to an iconic moment in, in a film of 2021, which we'll get into spoilers. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. I I, I want to hear you know more more people. Obviously, we've only had the only other person I think that's seen it in in uh, all that films group that we have is is Rich. Rich. Did Rich like this, Todd? Uh, he did. He felt about the same that I did, though. We watched it together, so we talked about it a little afterwards. He, um, I get the sense that he probably gave it around the same thing that I gave it. Gotcha. Real quick before uh, going into spoilers, and it's probably not going to be too long on spoilers just because there's only some brief things we got to talk about. I I do think, at least to me, I think there's a really electric beginning to this film. Okay. And then <clears throat> I don't want to say it meanders necessarily because it's it's interesting the whole time. Um, but I, I really love the beginning. I don't know if you guys had a favorite like act of this film because there are like chapters. Um, I think, I'd probably say the beginning also. Yeah, I'd even say everything up until like it gets to the like core like thread of the movie with him in the village. Like I I had a really good time with. Um, Especially because it felt it it was a little interesting that like movie felt a little more grand because of like some of the set pieces before that 
For me, yeah. For it, me, it, it I liked narrower. Yeah. Before Todd. No problem. No problem. My for me, I liked. I I would describe myself as liking the roughly the first hour and then the last fifteen minutes. Uh, is kind of how I felt. I would also agree with that. Um, but we we're, we're gonna grade this out and then we'll go to spoilers. Todd, what would you give this out of ten? Like a six point seven. Okay, Drew, what would you give this out of ten? I gave it a six out of ten. Oh, six is all around. Margo, what would you give this out of ten? Probably a six point five. All right, I am actually finishing highest of the group. Maybe this is a nice reminder to people that, uh, you know, fresh off not liking the lighthouse, um, I'm back, baby. I'm back on the egg train. I'm giving this seven point two out of ten. Not that much higher, but you know. Um, so interesting rating, but we are going to go to spoilers on this film. So if you haven't seen the Northman or don't care about it being spoiled, um, then you can stick around, but otherwise, or I think I said the opposite, but you, you know what to do. Um, uh, <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for this movie. Um, don't stick around. Otherwise you will know that this movie has a lot of dear Evan Hansen vibes. We can all agree. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went literally <laughs> in, in my I went to the an advanced screening for both of those movies and the gasp was the exact same the same exact gasp I <laughs> we, we had a we had a lady directly behind us to the right and she went oh oh no like just the progression people, <laughs> people in my theater were straight up screaming <laughs> they were like wanna- oh I wanted, to, that was the- I wanted to do that moment. Um, this this would require me to like d- take out my phone and film it, so I probably won't. But I wanted to do that moment with the Spider Man like crowd reaction, <laughs> real audience reaction to the incest yeah. scene in the Northman. Yeah. No, I was really loud during that part. I was like the rest of Margot's theater, and whenever I go to see movies with Rich, I'm like the loud one, and he's the like quiet one who's scandalized by my noise. So yeah, like, <laughs> but I was just like, oh no, oh no, and then I kind of smiled because I was like, I can't believe they did it. That's really uh, that was my reaction to that part. It was pretty crazy. Another spoilers: they should have had more Willem Dafoe. I agree with that. I think I think the you know if if we're comparing this to another Hamlet iteration, um, Willem Dafoe is very much the Rafiki of this story. Um, and I think I was waiting for Ghost Willem Dafoe to show back up. In all honesty, don't we all want the Willem Dafoe as the uh, Jester movie? I do. <laughs> yes, so much. I felt really dumb because I saw I saw it and I was like, yeah, Willem Dafoe, and then he uh, dies. And then I saw people on Twitter talking about how you can see his schlong, and I guess I didn't see it, and I don't want to see the see movie it. again enough to see his schlong. Well, the movie holds back on a lot of that stuff. <laughs> like, I, people want the Eggers cut. I just want them to, like, digitally remove the loincloths, like how they edited cats after the fact. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want them to do that for the scene where they're all like howling around the fire because at the screening I went to, the guys sitting next to me were really high. And after that scene ended, one of them like leaned over to the other and said at normal volume, that was really gay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's funny. 
the um yeah but uh so real quick obviously we talked about some of the uh structure stuff um so i really liked the revenge aspect like towards the beginning like setting that up uh, and, and running away from his family and all this stuff i was like oh, okay pretty cool pretty in some ways standard but t- to me at least like the shakespearean story like it's always going to be like oh this is fun even though like sort of know where this is happening and here's the the biggest spoiler i guess um the uncle maybe doesn't suck yeah <laughs> Yeah, did you did you see that coming uh, or no? I did. So I did not at all because I I had heard for several times about this movie that it was a play on okay. Hamlet. Um, so I just assumed like we weren't we weren't gonna mess with the format if that makes sense. Like I thought we were staying by the books on track. Uh, and then I thought I thought to myself I was like, well, you know, maybe they're lying a little bit in the didn't seem to be addressed at all so there's no indication that they were and especially like if you go back to it one of the things that like i was i at least went huh like tucked that away for a second is the young boy is with uh the uncle and he's talking about oh we need to know how to do this work because then that's how we'll be you know that's good honest work and it's how you'll be respected or whatever um and it is like a, a little breadcrumb um to that moment so it it was interesting the only thing is i guess that was the section that i wasn't as big on because a lot of stuff happens that it 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 feels a little weird it like there's a lot of locations and and i loved the way it looked but they like there's a thing at the lake where they're flaming a body and then Anya Taylor-Joy is like, oh, let's be naked in this hot spring. And then they're like, oh, we're on a boat now. And Alexander Skarsgård's like, I'm not on a boat now. And then, you know, there's a lot of... It, maybe y'all are right. Maybe there's less... Uh, there's more uh, meat on the bone for that stuff because that is the one section that if there were an extended cut, I would like to see more of, uh, probably. Well- I know Drew and I were talking about this where after the time jump when he's a full-grown man and he's, like, murdering villages and stuff, I was like, oh, he's doing the exact thing to people that was done to him as a child. Surely he will have some sort of realization about this, about how he is destroying families, like how his family was destroyed. And then nothing happened <laughs> from that. <laughs> and yeah, and it was like the thing that was kind of bugging me the most about like the plot because like a lot of the movie ends up becoming like here's a sequence of events and how he carries out his revenge, and it's really just going to be this sequence of events without much else going on. And I thought with like the younger kid that his uncle and Nicole Kidman has, I thought it was going to be like, oh, he's going to... We're in full spoilers, right? Yeah, of course. Sick. Um, So I thought it was going to be like, he's going to kill Nicole Kidman, and then he's going to kill the uncle, but then the kid is going to come and take his revenge, and it's going to be about the cycles of revenge or whatever. But then there's just a scene where he just like, 
like one chop chop Nicole Kidman and the kid and then it's just a fight at the end and then he just kind of dies in the fight and I was like okay so what's the point like what are you trying to <laughs> communicate about revenge because well, especially it, it's a little weird because the scene before that on the boat he tells Anya Taylor-Joy specifically like oh I will never kill a woman and then like he's just back in the room and he's like ah never mind <laughs> well and it was framed as like an accidental thing but that's also really weird because like i don't think it really fits his backstory is this viking raider who's like ripping out people's because he's at least like complicit in women being like murdered or sold into slavery or burned down in barns or whatever so then when he's like i wouldn't do that it's like it's like how Jigsaw says he's never killed yeah, anyone before. It is exactly like how Jigsaw <laughs> says he's never killed anyone. Yes. Wow. I think that, like, I agree with you. To me, the weird thing is the edit I want of this movie is like a 95-minute edit that I can't believe I'm about to say this, but hypothetical. Is this movie better or worse without Anya Taylor-Joy? I know that's, like, almost blasphemy in some circles, but... Okay, okay. Here, I feel like thought. she down, she brings it down think, in a way. Like the storyline does at least. I think Anya Taylor Joy is is slightly in a different Dope. movie. Um and that's that was the biggest part where I at least to me, that felt like, hey, remember this is a a Norse mythology kind of thing, not really a Shakespeare thing. I was like, okay, that's cool and all, but like every other character in this is like very clearly a Shakespearean character. I love Anya Taylor Joy. I thought she was very good in this movie. Um, like, I am interested in your point. Um, I don't know. I think she's fine, but I just think the movie should be more streamlined and be focused on the cycle of violence, kind of similar to what Drew was talking about, right? Like, I think you can make a more simple, like, 95 to 100 minute version of this film that like takes out some of this like love story and even that kind of like weird ending where Anya Taylor Joy is like your destiny is fulfilled like I get the kind of point of that but I I found her to be kind of a drain on the film even though I love her mm-hmm. and and it, it's, I agree, and I wish if it was this long, it was going for more stuff than just a revenge scene. Yes. Because it's yeah. like, they have, there's almost this discussion of, like, class roles and Viking society, and, like, because it's like when he, you know, brands himself and, like, voluntarily becomes a slave, and then there's, like, the ball game scene where it's like okay you're like a privileged you know slave in this like village now but it all seemed kind of perfunctory which is weird because that seems like the kind of detail eggers would want to lean into and like that's not like a studio thing i imagine it feels more just like his priorities weren't like set on that but that feels more interesting to me than like the non-stop kind of like scheming and talking to his sword and everything. Sure. I think some of the problems, even though I think there's studio interference issues that affect part of the film, I think some of the blame is clearly on Eggers. And if you look at his first two films, they're more like single location. You know what I mean? Like kind of like chamber pieces, 
tons tons of time to develop a very small tension and like obsess over a very small tension where this film had I guess you could say like, well, the revenge was tension, but uh, you know, tension, uh, uh, you know, was the, you know, revenge was the tension and it was the single thing that, but they try to add a bunch of stuff and they just kind of make it bloated and it just, it doesn't work in quite the same way. If this is his worst film he makes, great. You know what I mean? Like I'm fine with that, but it, it was a letdown for me compared to the other two did um if we're throwing out other films um this is this is unrelated to the anya cut that todd wants to make uh how dare you um i will say it, out, of, out of the cuts if if for whatever reason uh you know obviously i i have no facts to back this up or whatever but if for whatever reason there was a three-hour cut of this movie i'd rather watch a three-hour cut than a 90-minute cut um of the two but Okay. Um, another film that I just, I thought of, do y'all remember, I don't even know if this is the right Skarsgård, I think it is, um, and Alexander Skarsgård, they had the Tarzan movie, and they're like, he's a movie star, and everybody was like, oh, no. <laughs> I have no memory of that. It's, yeah, I remember yeah. it existing and not being interested in the slightest. Um. <laughs> It was like the Fantastic Beast guy did it, right? Did he? I didn't know that. Uh, yes, you're correct. Oh my god! Uh, it's just interesting because this, like, I don't if if somehow like the Northmen could have gotten like marketing budget of the Legend of Tarzan, a movie that no one was asking for. Um, that probably a decent amount of you know probably made some crazy amount of money uh than it should but i alexander skarsgård is just interesting to me because kind of had like a slight career of like hey this guy he is a movie star maybe is he um yeah and then this movie like kind of is him being a movie i i really liked him in this movie uh that's why i was just bringing that point up is he's yeah, I think awful he's... in Tarzan, but um, continue, Todd. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think he's fine in this movie. I'm actually just curious, like what people think about like a particular point is that I found myself literally laughing at how kind of cringy some of the like exposition parts yeah, or like, yes, uh, like occasionally parts were okay, so where I, I to the point that I was like laughing a little bit yeah, like the I thought that, it was the that one that bad. really got me was when he finds the sword and he's like okay cool I'm gonna go kill my uncle and he's like waiting behind the corner to, to go do it but the opportunity misses and then he goes on the roof and says out loud in the middle of the night, when he's a slave and could get caught and murdered, out loud. Oh, I forgot. I have to wait to kill him when we're at a flaming lake. I'm gonna go hide this here for later. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? I, I know this information. You don't and need that, to say it to me. And that scene is even funnier because then the next moment he sees Anya and he says that he needs to carry out his revenge specifically with the flaming lake so he didn't even need to talk to the sword right it's, 
It's like if anyone poop. was confused, they could wait to the next scene, and the audience is Anya Taylor Joy. Like, why didn't you go kill your uncle last night? And it because I noted the um, monologue to the sword is like a stylistic thing, and I don't mind that. But it's like you have to pick one or the other if you're repeating the info within the same yes. five minutes. My look, I, I get what y'all are saying. I, I thought that stuff was intentional and was kind of pulling on the not audacity. I can't think of the word. Um, just some of the the showiness of a Shakespeare play. Um, but then to your point that Drew you made earlier, and this was the specific scene, is like when this stuff happens. It is also in the first hour of this movie supposed to be a very gritty and serious Viking movie. It is odd that like he's kind of a bumbling fool with a sword later on, which I liked. I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I thought it was Eggers being funny. Uh, I didn't think it was unintentional, but you know, maybe maybe that's just my interpretation, and I'm alone on this. <laughs> you no, know, I I I can see some of it. There was there was some humor to this, like it's not that there wasn't some intention, but some of the parts that felt cringy just weren't meant to feel that way, and in my opinion at least. Like, um, this is where for me also studio interference maybe played a bit of a role. There's evidence or not I'm talking like a freaking attorney. There uh <laughs> there's evidence that he uh the initial screenings, they were like, we don't get it. And so he had to add more, like... They literally had to have the line twice, is what you said. Sort of parts. <laughs> um, well, that's what I'm wondering, is, like, because some of the parts are just, like, I don't know. There's just, like, a... It was just... I, there, There's just a corniness to it that, like, didn't feel fully intentional to me. And it really dragged the movie for me a little bit. But I don't know. I still liked the last 15 minutes. I liked the first hour. Just a lot of the parts with uh, in the once they got to the, you know, him being a slave just didn't work for me that well. Yeah. And one of the things about the corniness is like the movie is really fun when it just indulges in being this like gritty, violent, violent or Viking epic like that first scene where he like tears the guy's throat out like a dog and it's like all this horrible stuff but it's like just it's just like hurrah this is viking pulp this is what you want and it's like that's fun and it can be fun and be corny like that but when it's so serious about what it all yeah when it's so serious about what it's trying to do the corniness is more of a detriment for me like that part at the end when he's going to Valhalla, I was like, Jesus Christ, like they're really ending it this way. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, like hyper, it, it felt like, um, I don't know how to describe it. And I, I think I agree with Drew that it's like none, none of these things in a vacuum are necessarily wrong. It's just committing to a style where like when he's going up that, you know, on the horse going into Valhalla at the end, it just felt kind of like a cheesy, like 1940s 
studio picture sort of film ending you know like that that's just how it felt to me like even the music and everything where it was like there are parts of the movie that try to be like the witch and then there are parts of the movie that are like fucking like you know um hercules or you know like i'm just trying to think of these like Like, this is the movie this is what i mean like it's interesting that a a visionary director, because um, uh, this is not a slight to other people who have done the films. Uh, of course, uh, Mr. Fantastic Beast himself, David Yates, as Drew has mentioned, our favorite director <laughs> on this podcast that we all know um, and love. Um, but there have been films like The Legend of Tarzan, like um, the, the Wrath of the Titans. I don't even know if you guys remember that movie. There were, or The Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Um, there's like been a, a Robin lot of Hood these... Movie. With uh, Taron, that like Robin Hood movie they did a yeah, couple the, years the ago. Robin Hood, like all of now that movie was awesome. Let's move it's on. Kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I, will, but... I will give you that. Taron does. Taron and Jamie Fox elevate that material, even though. Um... Anyway, I, I just <laughs> it's it is very interesting to me. Obviously, this movie's probably not going to make that much money, but it's uh, fingers crossed it at least like breaks even. But it's just it's interesting to me that someone was able to do this, even though I do see what you're saying, Todd. Where like. It's wanting to be committed to what Eggers has done in the past, but also being like this big budget epic. And you almost look at it and you're like, like, these are two different films that I would love from Eggers separately, but I don't know if they work like just morph together as well. I will say this, if Film Club, a club that all of us are involved in, if it lasts for 12 more years... (laughs) All the young, all the young kid contrarians will have the hottest takes about how this is actually Robert Eggers' best film, and we're all just old funny duddies. I'm, I'm letting you know that uh, people really love this movie. I'm just yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it with I saw it with AJ, and they really liked it. Damn. That's the one thing I will say. If someone's like seething with if somehow you made it like to this point, and you're like, ah, oh, these dumb four idiots that don't love the movie or whatever. Um, there's a ton of people that love that's that's the one thing like <laughs> little peek behind the, the mind i guess um as soon as we started recording i thought to myself i was like wait do i like this movie the most out of like who we've gathered and then i was like man we really should have gotten like someone that like adored I it wanted, like the the thing i don't mean this like rude or anything but there's people that are like oh my god like this is are kind of putting it on the same level as and Todd this is a film you don't like so it's interesting um but they're putting it on the same level as Dune uh specifically like and this is probably just I I went on the internet like I shouldn't uh they shouldn't allow me on there I should be kicked off anyway um there was a take that was like wow the 2020s are already full of uh big budget director visionaries and uh visionary projects and it was Dune the Batman and the Northman which A, that's tenet erasure, uh, and B, like they're they're not like a lot of movies, and we're only like not even two years into the decade. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but it's just interesting to me that someone would like put this on the same level as as Dune because I think this is messier, and at least like even if you didn't like Dune, you could maybe talk yourself into like oh well, there's a sequel, like there's gonna be more of the story. Um, I just I don't have them on the same level if that makes sense. Yeah, me I will be more. Ru- I'll be more rude than you. If Four. you have this as a five star film, you have some growing to do. 
<laughs> you have some growing to do. I, I guess my thing is is just like I I can really get liking this, and there's a lot to love about it. I think no matter where you're coming from, but I think it's hard not to see this, even if you do love it, and feel like it's there isn't like a conflict of interest and in like what's going on behind the scenes. It's yes. Can can I go on a weird tangent really quick? Go for it. We love tangents. Okay. So, like, the thing that bugs me the most about this movie is, like, the magic stuff is played for a lot of the movies. Like, is it real or is it in his mind? Because it's, like, very... Like, when Bjork is on for her, like, five seconds of screen time, it's like... Oh, I I got it real quick, just because we got to mention it. Sorry, you said the B word, so... um, (laughs) I got to the credits of this movie, and I was sitting there, and I saw Bjork. I was like... Wait, yeah, she's in this. What? <laughs> and I forgot Bjork was in this movie because she's only in it for five seconds. <laughs> I, I hope they didn't spend too much on her. <laughs> Man, make I hope they did. She deserves it. I hope that was like 15% of the budget was the Bjork <laughs> cameo. Like, I, I remember seeing in the advertising, it was like her first screen role in like 17 years. And it's like. That's, that's what I mean. Like, it's, 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 uh, it would be like, I know this isn't the same level by, by any stretch because this guy's like considered one of the best actors ever. But it, it would be like if, if a movie pitched Daniel Day Lewis and something and like. He's just an extra in the background, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But continue with the magic, because I, I think I'm going to agree with your point. Um, Sorry. But so for me, the whole thing was just like, I, I don't understand like why he would even make it like an ambiguous thing, because the movie is much more interesting if it's like playing with mythology and magical things are happening, like because it can be more creative. And I can, Eggers made like the lighthouse, which kind of did a similar thing, but the whole movie was very pointedly surreal the entire time, and it's very clearly supernatural at the end. And this movie just dabbles in that really annoying "is this real or is it not" thing, and that's not like a studio note. That's like the idea he had for the movie i will say i will say in just just my thought process and, and this could be wrong um and it's still a slight on on the movie um at least on the magic side of things i kind of viewed that as oh well have we already spent enough money on these huge bombastic like action set pieces that we we can't do extra magic stuff because like you know we 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 have this Valhalla set piece we have this Great, great action set piece. Like we have all of this stuff, but we can only stick to just the action. It's like we we can't go like bring in crazy psychedelic magic. I do agree with you that like it is a weird in between it's... where they're like, is it you know what's going on? Is it there? All this stuff, and it's like, well, it's like the the it just but it's stuff like when he gets the night blade and he fights the drugger and it's like this five minute long sword fight scene with the skeleton dude and it's so cool and then it's like oh no it's just a hallucination disorder and it's like okay but why did you make us watch this like could yeah. you put so much money and effort into this really interesting scene and then it's just not and well, that's just kind of what bugs me about like especially if if they had like a way to call it back in the final act of the film, then it would kind of 
make those moments feel like they had a purpose for being there. Like the brief thing with the skeleton. Cause I agree with you. Like the, the skeleton sword fight was really cool and really well done, but you get to the end of the movie and, and like you just pointed out, you're like, wait, why was this there? Um, and it's obviously it's to sell you on, Oh, you know, is it real or is it all a dream? But like, there's, I think there's a way you can still kind of make it, even ambiguous and, and still keep going, which is interesting because that that's kind of a drew. I know you haven't seen this movie, but that's, that's kind of what the witch is doing. Um, and it does it really well uh, with what's, you know, the, the unsettling nature of what's going on in this small uh, village that Eggers or this small family uh, house that Eggers has set that movie in. But uh, Margot and Todd, did, did you have any comments on the magic before we uh, switch off of that? I thought that Anya being magic was going to be a way bigger thing, because in the trailer she's like, you've got your big Viking sword, and I've got my magic, and then they show her yelling at the sky in her like very last scene in the movie. And then I don't really remember her doing any magic at all in the movie. I, I think I, she did, but I literally don't remember anything. <laughs> I didn't realize she was magic, The like, actually supposed to, because the only thing she did was the drive everyone to village insane, but I thought those were just, like, poisonous mushrooms, so. Yeah. It was kind of like a, like a cauldron thing, you know, like a spell. So I, I assume. Okay, but I, I can make poisonous mushrooms. That doesn't make me a witch. That makes me, like, a well, murderer. <laughs> did you chant while making the poisonous mushrooms? Because I feel like that's essential, which, uh, witchcraft um okay but like you can chant anything if i'm like stirring a pot and chanting usa that doesn't make me a witch that just Mm. makes me a weirdo interesting (laughs) we we have disagreements um but (laughs) no that is that is an interesting point and and maybe that's even leaning to todd's earlier point to cut anya out of this entirely no magic um okay but i have oh i have a thing about anya uh, they had the audacity to cast Anya and Alex together. Zero chemistry. Zero chemistry. The scene before they get together, Anya's dancing around a, a fire with a bunch of people, and they have her dancing with a woman. More chemistry with that woman in those five seconds of screen time than with Alex the entire movie. Okay, so in, in, <laughs> in slight defense of that i get because i do agree with you um they don't have like the best chemistry together i kind of viewed it as like well he only has like one i i assumed like this revenge quest was inevitable like no matter what even if anya taylor joy was asking you to stay with her and raise a child with this um you know on this boat um i i kind of i i kind of like that because it made him more stoic and almost jaded to this one track mind of Need to get revenge, need to get revenge, like revenge for my father. That's all yeah, I need. He made sense, but I did not believe that Anya liked him either. Like I was just like, well, they're both there. I don't know, he's but he's brooding and mysterious, so you know Yeah, but he has a bowl cut. <laughs> that I will say, I will say, uh big return for the bowl cut. Don't know if I liked it. Um you're right. I, I don't know if, if Anya Taylor-Joy seeing a man with a bowl cut. But may, look, maybe the bowl cut was in. That's the thing that you don't understand if you don't read Norse mythology, Margot. Um, oh, they the bowl cut. A big bowl cut history. Oh, um, I know this is like a common critique of period pieces, 
But everybody did look really grimy and dirty, except for Anya Taylor-Joy. And I was like, wow, she just shampooed her hair. She looks great. <laughs> like, you can't put... I know she, like, is in a lot of period pieces, but you can't put her in, like, a grimy period piece and expect me to be like, oh, yeah, she's been in the dirt. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> she has perfect hair all the time. <laughs> Uh, they should have. You're saying they should have spent more of the budget rolling Anya Taylor Joy in mud before shooting, is what what I'm hearing. Um, yes. Perfect. All right. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention, I think this this movie could have used, and uh, maybe this is back to the Willem point, but uh, just going off of Drew's magic point, I think this could have used one more uh, hallucination uh, to tie it all together before the the day of the story. Like if someone had just said like. Tomorrow is the day of the flaming lakes or whatever. If if you just had Willem doing that and he maybe he had a little bit of the shrooms, who knows, um, or something. I, I think that could have worked. Other than that, uh, do we have any spoilers? Otherwise, we we are about at the end of our episode. Uh, I think at the end, uh, he should have woken up in a cold sweat as a child. That really would have made it all better. Like Ooh. it was all a dream. Interesting. Yeah. And, and like he a, like it's wakes a up and he's like, Dad, I just had the craziest dream. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, I accidentally gave you poisonous mushrooms. Dad, I went doggo mode on this village. You're not going to believe <laughs> this. <laughs> oh. And then there's a laugh track and everyone's like, <laughs> classic omelet. And then Thor oh, shows up and, you know, it's, it's all tied in. That studio intervention. Uh, yeah, and at the end movie. it says, uh, Omelet will return. <laughs> Perfect. 10 out of 10. Um, I, I see the vision now. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Northman. Um, thank you, Todd. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Margo. Uh, and we'll be back soon with... Uh, Moon Knight um, later this week and then we also have to start the summer movie draft before May starts because someone has to take uh, the doctor and weird doing his thing mad possibly who knows uh, anyway thank y'all for listening to this episode see you on the next one bye bye